This is the Catholic Movie Guy Podcast. And we are back on the Catholic Movie Guy Podcast. I have risen from the dead, uh, metaphorically only, and I'm joined again by the great Right Reverend Professor Bo Bonner. How are you, sir? Dude, I, I, I'm thinking you just had to take a break in order to sufficiently celebrate the, the Blues victory. That's what I would I'd blame any of this yes. uh, pause on. I, uh, I, made a, I made a sort of a resolution with God that I wouldn't complain about the Cardinals or movies until uh, next year because of the Blues. So, uh, so I'm going to try to be on my best behavior going forward. That's right, being positive. Uh, there's some real movies out there. Uh, that you, you could watch to test that theory. I don't think it's this one, but uh, yeah, there's some some wretched movies out there. So uh, yeah, you know, don't put God to the test. Before we get started, I I don't know if this is again. I think we've revisited this subject a couple times on your show, maybe or on here. It feels to me, and it's probably just a feeling like movies are getting worse objectively, or there's fewer good movies that I know about. And this this year has not been that kind. I really, I haven't had much to get excited about, frankly. Yeah, I mean, of course, there's been stuff that I go watch with the kids, um, yeah. and uh, so, you know, like the, the, the Spider-Man movie was good, you know, I'm not going to complain about that, but, um, and then there's been like really weird small films, um, but then half the time there, and so this one's like sort of related to what we're talking about, there's the Echo in the Valley one that was about like the birds and like uh, the, the music scene in the early 60s in California, but it's like a glorified concert, so mm. where like all everyone like old, you know, a generation older than us is like, man, it's great to hear the birds again. And I'm like, hey, Jacob Dylan and Fiona Apple. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. There's been a lot of weird movies coming out. That's how I'd put it. I, before we get started, I did see one movie finally that kind of uh, piqued my interest and actually panned out, and that was The Farewell. Have you heard about that? No, I've not. So uh, the premise basically is. Um, an elderly Chinese uh, matriarch is passing away from lung cancer, and because of uh, cultural mores, I suppose, they don't want to tell her, but they want everyone to come back to see her off and say their goodbyes, oh. so they make up a fake wedding to get the family back in China because they're all across the globe. So it was uh, it was an interesting premise and very well executed. I highly recommend that. Uh, very very thought-provoking. And it passed the my mom test, which is occasionally I will t be a good boy and take my mother out to the movies. And almost <laughs> always she's like, Stephen, what did we watch? That was terrible, Stephen. <laughs> but this one she likes, so I think it has a, a broad broad appeal. Yeah, the one that uh, I saw that my kids and my mom watched was Shazam. So a little mm. different than the one that you watched. So. I have, I have, uh, I've wanted to watch that. I heard good things, but I'm, I'm trying to get to the uh, red box to get it. There you go. You, yeah, you should. It's not bad. Yeah, I don't know if it's uh, uh, the 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 movie from China you're talking about, but it's not too bad. <laughs> it's it's probably shooting for less and succeeding hopefully. But that's right. <laughs> all that's a long way of saying I was anticipating this movie more than usual and. I'm going to give a proviso, and I'll let you do the same. Quentin Tarantino. I uh, have a long, tortured history with uh, Tarantino movies. I was uh, on board from the beginning, even though I should not have been watching Pulp Fiction as a, as a 10 or 11-year-old. I did anyway. Right. And I got into Reservoir Dogs and all that. And uh, I even enjoyed Kill Bill quite a bit, which I grant you have to kind of uh, hand-wave the very premise of getting revenge on your enemies for getting revenge on your enemies' sake. But he kind of lost me in the new millennium, uh, not just that I didn't like the movies, but I just kind of lost interest, and they became 
even more bloody and even more uh, overwrought and long. I really like Jackie Brown, too, by the way. I forgot to mention that. But, um, you know, like The Hateful Eight to me was kind of like the nadir of, it's not that it's terrible, but it's just, it's way too self-indulgent for not enough payoff at all. Right. But because of the dearth of, uh, you know, pictures that excited me, I was excited about this. And the premise hits me where I live, Bo, because it's a pay-on to old Hollywood. And, you know, I'm the Catholic movie guy. So how did, how did you feel going in before we talk about the movie itself? Yeah, so actually, um, I think Kill Bill is one of the best, uh, two movies together. I mean, it, even with like how extremely bloody it is, I think it's really good. Um, of course, to me, a lot of art. Um, the the reason that you should uh, partake in and enjoy it is not because you get ideas. Like, if, if you're like, I wonder what I should do with my life, you should not watch Kill Bill. It's mm. not really uh, helpful in that regard. Wait, hold on. I have, you... to, I have to write that down. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I have to change. I have to change some things. <laughs> That's right. But if you want to know what it's, you know, like if you're talking about like an exploration about like what vengeance, like the the person set on vengeance must feel like, and the idea about like the the joy vengeance must bring um i think it's a startling startlingly good uh way to like look at that i'm with you that after that i mean like uh hateful eight was frankly awful mm. um and glorious bastards was interesting but i mean it's, i'm with you it's kind of like okay he's starting to seem it's, like it's, a broken record and it's too, it's just too much you know that that's just where i can it, 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 it like kill bill okay Kill Bill had a lot of violence. That has never been one of my principal objections to anything. I have a very high tolerance level. Um, but, you know, Kill Bill was just so wildly creative. It right. was the most Tarantino of Tarantino without... I mean, it had. It was obviously derivative in the sense that some people accuse of, like, oh, it's just a cover band. But it wasn't derivative in the sense of copying. It was, like, taking all your influences and making them your own and putting them together in this incredibly unique package. And to me, that's like the most Tarantino of Tarantino movies. It's incredible what he covers, right. the, the ground he canvases, and that's great. But then when you're just kind of like trucking through World War II and, you know, this murderous ons, it's, like, it's just like, okay. And then The Hateful Eight, you're right. It's like, oh, no. It's like, what if we took that World War II onslaught of, of terror and violence but had no real moral purpose behind it? Right. Uh, or no no purpose whatsoever. So I, I'm with you, but... Uh, but I think I don't know if we're in the minority on this view because I feel that with with uh, Inglorious and Django, he was like making up this critical acclaim that he had sort of lost starting with Kill Bill and through the yeah. early 2000s. And I I couldn't disagree more. Yeah, no, I, I even so much that I forgot Django. I mean, I understand why Django was a big cultural event, but you know, I I don't know when he's best is when, like you said that he's riffing on something in many ways. This is where Tarantino is the quintessential postmodern, right? You know, you know, when people can like go too nuts about this, of course, but, uh, he really does embody, uh, when he does things right, how, I don't know, late generation X sort of, uh, ingested, you know, like you said, like sort of the first, Group, age group that could just watch movie after movie after movie and then like every second word be from a different movie and you know that can be awful or it can be uh something like you know a new direction in in, in movie and, and how we do uh directing and there's some people who followed after him and have done that well um i would also totally be okay if people said he's to blame for why we have the same star war movies 15 times mm -hmm. right like there's a way in which uh, Pulp Fiction was 
uh, a new postmodern way to make nostalgia seem cool, hip, and new, and maybe we're running that into the ground. I mean, all that to me is completely fair, um, but the, he's just hit it so well on the head sometimes that when he's going to make a movie that is about Hollywood at this sort of pivotal time, um, I think, you know, even before watching it, I think everybody should say, well, let's see what he has to say. Because to me, I was like, he's either going to land this plane or it's going to go down in merciless flames. To me, yeah. that was that was the, the stakes here. So so that's it, it made me think of an interesting point, and perhaps I'm going too far afield here before we get to the movie. But I guess that Quentin Tarantino is the essential uh, Generation X to millennial bridge figure in that He's kind of an orphan of uh, uh, what would have been a mainstream culture, and he takes whatever he gets from these influences and kind of puts it all together. And so, with Pulp Fiction, you have him, you know, kind of trying to find his way with this uh, with storytelling, and he continues this, and then he makes his like magnum opus of all his influences with Kill Bill. Then it's like he's getting criticized. He's criticized as simply like this glorified fanboy who really doesn't contribute anything, but just is kind of. Um, giving himself pleasure through replaying his own uh, influences to like the greatest extent possible. So then he says, ah, I see. I'm going to make movies about something. I'm going to make a World War II movie in Quentin Tarantino style. I'm going to make, I'm going to make a uh, slavery movie in Quentin Tarantino style. And then I'm going to make a Western in Quentin Tarantino style. And to me, those movies aren't nearly as successful because right. what, he, what he is is he's speaking for his generation even though he doesn't, doesn't see it like that. And the more he tries to like put himself into a, a box the more he fails whereas when he just does his tarantino thing he succeeds and so yeah. we come at last to the this movie this movie is quentin tarantino's love letter to the movies right oh yeah and, and, and that, the, i mean just just that idea right you hear that and so you go in going oh what does a tarantino love letter look like and i'm not going to act like this movie didn't end up being violent you know mm -hmm. But but it's definitely it's, the least violent. It's one of the. It has to be as least violent. For and sure. there's also a way in which it's some of. It's probably the most self-aware movie in a yeah. very interesting way, where he's. But like that sounds like that might be um, a huge temptation for him to fail. Um, but I think he actually did a really good job of actually being self-aware and not being heavy-handed about his self-awareness. Yeah, and. Uh... I want to throw this out there to uh, Magdalene or whoever else comments on my my once every quarter blog and says this movie's R. I won't be seeing it. This movie is filled with <laughs> vulgarity, profanity, inappropriate dialogue, and uh, and in, in the end, ultra violence. So please check out now if you're if you're not gonna like accept the premise going in. But if you accept that premise, dear listener, I think this is one of the most traditional and reactionary Hollywood movies to come out in some time. Yeah, you know what's strange about this? So I mean, like we're like, and so you gave the warning about people talking about violence. We might as well do. Okay, yeah, you, spoiler alert! If you have any interest in seeing this, go see it. Do not listen anymore. Yeah, right. And so now spoilers. Now, now saying that, um, dude, <laughs> I did not expect a movie about 1969 Hollywood where we are reimagine the sort of pivotal event that started the dark 70s mm -hmm. being avoided and then the sort of celebration of like wouldn't it have been great if the sort of wholesomeness of the 60s kept rolling on without 
the Charlie Manson part that like really ended the decade and made, you know, like what everybody thinks, you know, like if you think the seventies is the watchman or something like this, right? Like that's the definitive thing is, is the Manson family, whether people are right or about it or not. Right. That's the idea is they sort of killed the party. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole swath of movies, especially sort of generation X movies that are about that era, right, when the party ended. I mean, another movie that I don't recommend anyone watch uh, for the sake of your soul, but Boogie Nights, the whole premise is about, right, about, like, when America lost its soul. And so it starts to be really interesting that Tarantino, of all people, strangely enough, makes a movie where mostly everybody makes the wholesome decisions. Like, there's some really horrible things people are given the option of doing. And they don't. And then the people who have the worst thoughts in the whole movie don't succeed. And it's a uh, it was genuinely surprising. Steve. Like I left going, I cannot believe he he made that decision and not like in a bad way, like he shouldn't have. It's just that was the last thing I would have guessed. Yes. And uh, con- confessedly, the movie is very long and you could even say overlong. But that's, I think that in the end kind of is the point of it. And if, if it were not three hours long, I don't think that that turn in the last act would be nearly as effective. I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm watching this film uh, by myself, as is my one. One, because Sarah has no interest. And two, I have no friends. Right. But, uh, you know, I'm like, these are really gorgeous. First of all, everything's gorgeous. Yes. Uh, set pieces, somewhat seemingly disconnected. It, the plot's very slow going along. The acting's impeccable. You can't say anything about it. And there's more or less interest throughout. But then you come to the end, and I'm just like, okay, this is good, but you know, is it, where's it going? What, what's the payoff? And boy, did it pay off in an unexpected way. And I have, no, a, great, I have yeah. a great theory about this. Remind me at the end to give my bizarre theory. But, but focusing uh, on the text there, continue. Okay, yeah, the bizarre theory, I'll remember. No, I mean, I, I think you're right. I think uh, on one hand... Um, you know, the self-referential stuff I was talking about. So you have them sort of making fun of the violence of Inglorious Bastards, right, with, like, mm-hmm. one of the movies that the Leonardo DiCaprio yeah, shot. it's a direct um, parallel. Yeah. I think you have obvious ideas about, like, okay, well, this guy's washed up and everybody only can see him as the bad guy. And you're like, you know, with all the news. About, I mean, you, you, you almost want to time out, like, when did all of the news stories about him uh, uh, you know, Tarantino uh, falling out with uh, uh, Uma Thurman. Like, did he have that in mind? Like, was I mean, it's almost, he was seemed to be referring to it throughout the movie. Uh, and then it's like you said, it, I think he meant to bore you just a little, or at least confuse you, because they're they're flying back from Italy. Like, you go, the main character goes to yeah. shoot spaghetti westerns, and they're coming back. And you go like, oh, wow, this movie's just going to be about how two friends drifted apart. And and before, before you continue, and I think if you had just made it that way and it kind of ended with a sort of denouement of them parting or whatever, that would have been a poignant and very good movie. It would have been, yeah. And a very no, no, different no. movie. And that starts to be the thing, right, is I go like, oh, man, so he's confident enough to just end it on – like the loss of friendship. And so, you know, then that's what, in, like, in my mind, I'm like, oh, so this is why Sharon Tate's in here, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to be, like, those two, you know, they're going to be next door sending each other off, you know, mm-hmm. the last day. That it, it's, it's, and then it's the same time as, like, she's going to quietly be murdered next door. And I'm like, so I'm like, man, this is brutal. Like, this is going to be a brutally sad movie. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like, again, huge spoiler that, like, again, if you really didn't believe us, last chance... <laughs> um, 
the choice is uh, history didn't happen that way. He totally right. changes history. And then not only that, like, they don't say goodbye. Presumably it's going to be okay. And then right. presumably Roman Polanski has not done anything to a 13-year-old girl yet. And now he's probably going to direct, uh, you know, the, the, the titular character. And you're just like, oh, wow, that that was that was a bigger. The only thing in hit Tarantino's, you know, or you know, his, his sort of uh, all the movies he's done that was more surprising to me was when he had Uma Thurman uh, pluck out what's her name's eyeball. Yeah, that was on. awesome. Yeah, yeah and that, that one I awesome. genuinely stood up and went and screamed. I was like, that's yeah, yeah I was so surprised. So that's number one. But number two was this ending. I was like, I, I, I had my hand on my forehead going, oh, my gosh. He, he, I, he decided to choose change history this way. And that's why when people talk about, you know, remakes, sequels, like, oh, this, what's the point? I think there could be an awesome, like, fan or direct, you know, edit or director's cut where they end the movie just as you're speaking. And it could be, you know, a great movie. But it's called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It lets you know right up front. And it it's goes, a, yes. it just goes for it, and I, I really appreciated that. I think for Tarantino to just kind of go all out for the happy ending, and despite the violence, it's a very happy ending. With yeah. the hippies as the enemies, I mean, it's unbelievable what he did. No, <laughs> it's no, and, and you're right. Like it was one of those deals that you get to the end, and you're like, of course it's a fairy tale. He named it that way, exactly. but I, you, you didn't even think about it. That you thought the Once Upon a Time was. Oh, he's gonna have Brad Pitt in cool muscle cars, right. and that's all he means. And and then you go like, oh, so this is, this is Tarantino's sort of like sad nihilistic way to say too bad Hollywood couldn't be like this. But he's like, just just imagine what it could have been and how it could have all been different. And you know, he has beautiful Italian wife who, uh, and you're just like, <laughs> it's just I I was it's I was cute. totally amazed. So. So let's let's just talk really quickly about the the broad strokes view of this uh, on a on a sort of surface theme level, right? We have the you have the the really golden age of Hollywood represented almost kind of like by the by the former Leo DiCaprio star and the Brad Pitt in particular stunt double. Yeah. Then you have the kind of like uh, the dying away of that represented by currently Leo DiCaprio and the struggle between the two. And then you have the new Hollywood and, and what's coming represented by I guess you know. Roman Polanski and just the changes and everything uh, coming right. that way. But uh, okay, DiCaprio. I have I don't know how you feel about DiCaprio. I kind of my vibe on him is he's considered one of the great actors of our generation, just kind of as an offhand thing. But when you actually talk to the average person, like yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, and I think that he just nailed this role. And oh, that yeah. that scene where he he takes upon uh, the villain role. Uh, and the little girl compliments him and says that was that was the best acting I've ever seen. I I, I can't recall a better performance from him. It was just so touching and and resonant. No, I mean he him yeah. So that whole thing. First of all, acting as the actor like for his life essentially, and yeah. not only like his career, but like you like the, the sort of like getting mad at himself you did right before that. You're like he might kill himself if mm -hmm. he doesn't do a good job, mm -hmm. and sort of the whole like just doing a like a preset like right at the turn of the 70s you know villain in a in a in a in a western oh my goodness i he did such a great job i, I mean it was like watching one of those and then like you said to have this sort of release afterwards and the sort of innocence between and it's weird right like he he's a he's the innocent character mm -hmm. in many ways and and 
Leo could have destroyed that scene in so many ways, and he never did. Like, you know, especially with Tarantino and, like, especially with, like, you know, little girls and Harvey Weinstein. I mean, like, all of this is sort of hovering over this movie. And he actually just had a sort of pure relationship between an old drunk who was yeah. down on his luck and a little girl who made him sort of see, like, the goodness of 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 people again like and he pulled it off it didn't seem cheesy at all no no and and as a jaded uh 2019 viewer i kind of thought where's this going and then it's like no it wasn't going anywhere this is just a, a a father figure actually being educated by his daughter figure and uh it's totally innocent above board because this is how it should be with the movies yeah so and, and where i see this also reflected is i i had no clue what they were going to do with sharon tate and and I I didn't read about like I I wanted to no, go no I went in this, cold like, and everyone yeah. else should they shouldn't be listening yeah people. so you know I found out afterwards that the Tate family actually was really supportive of how he ended up doing the character unless they're lying they said that they he thought it, they did it really tastefully and another character where she's just a really innocent character like she's just a good person who's like sort of genuinely you know, giddy that she's in the movies. And like you said, like, and this is Tarantino where he is like a cruel mastermind is I kept being like, Oh, he's doing this to us. So the last scene is just a thousand times more more awful. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you go like, no, in the end, he Tarantino of all people is just celebrating like, like a, a good, nice person. She's not like a philosopher or anything like that. Like in many ways, she's just like, a happy-go-lucky girl of the late 60s but yeah he i mean yeah he he, he treated her well and i i was just amazed so yeah, he I showed mean, like women's feet like every 20 minutes of course yeah, he's it's tarantino he's got a yeah yeah, thing. yeah 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 but but, uh, but otherwise i thought he was very tasteful yeah i was gonna say it's like yeah no you're not gonna show this to like your uh, kindergarten class or anything i'm not saying that but for right. tarantino it's like it's it's so so innocent and almost and, and winsome and it's almost one of those things where if it had been directed by any other person, if you didn't, it's it's so meta. If you didn't know who the director was going in, like, would you would the mu- movie be even viewable in this way, or yeah, is it only no, because it's Tarantino that it works so well? Because it's and constant think, subverting your expectation of yeah, the depravity I, I, to come. Right, and that starts to be it. Right, is that for a guy who his first real break in the movies? I mean, I know people like Reservoir Dogs, but Pulp Fiction put him on the map. And the whole thing, right, is like, I can put the story out of order and make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny that this movie can only really come at this point in his career, or it's not even the same movie with the same message. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy, right? Like, he he had to have like done a movie out of order time-wise. He, he had to do um, revisionist history, like which, you know, as much as we were saying that we didn't necessarily love um, the three... Uh, the three last movies he's done, that's what he was doing, right? Is like revisionist right. history and all of them. Like he, it, you know, you go, is he smart enough to have set himself up that he's like with, what is this movie number? Nine. What, nine. nine of 10, right? Yep. Did, do you, I, I'm like, is that man smart enough that he's like on the ninth movie, I'm going to subvert everything. Yeah. And, well, I, and yeah. apparently he had been, he had been writing this for some time and he couldn't really get it together. Maybe he realized now's the time I've set myself up now that it will work. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I just, uh, I can't, I can't really believe I, I didn't know what to expect going in, but what I didn't expect was a straightforward, 
linearly presented rewriting of history to have the good old boys basically be the good guys throughout to have the counterculture be the bad guys so-called throughout and to simply have it end with wouldn't the world be better if it, if the good guys had won i mean it's right. unbelievable to me i was shocked by it no I, I yeah like i said it was it was the last it was the last thing and especially since i you know like i said i tried not like when i heard you know, there was just a lot of like news immediately around it. Like, is maybe Quentin Tarantino is a bad guy, and none of us should watch it. That was like I saw multiple headlines like that, which of course made me oh, go like, well, no, that, I, yeah. I'm now I have to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but I, you know, the stuff I saw is like there were people who were like, well, you know, the and I, what's the actress's name who played Sharon Tate? Uh, Margot Robbie. Yeah, Margot Robbie. They're like. Margot Robbie is such a strong character and does all these things. Why did she barely talk in this movie? And I go, and and, you know, it's one of those deals where I'm all like, yeah, okay, what would be reasons why Sharon Tate wouldn't talk, right? And you're thinking about actual history. And then like Margot's defending like her performance and everything. And I'm like, this is weird. But in hindsight, it makes perfect sense. There is no way on earth you can watch this movie and think what Tarantino's doing is trying to diminish the importance of Sharon Tate. Like, that seems like a willful misread of what's going on. No, I mean, it's insane. I mean, these are probably the same people who wanted her to, like, stand up with all the hippies at the commune and have, like, swelling music as they stopped Thanos. Oh, wait, no, that was the Avengers. I'm sorry. I get these <laughs> movies confused. It's so stupid. So stupid. Oh, that makes me mad all over again. Ah, oh, I'm getting off subject here. But, uh... Yeah, I mean it was it was incredible, and uh, and I guess let's, this is a good time to talk about Brad Pitt. He he's kind of the moral center, right? He he keeps Leo grounded. He, he's his tether to this old way, and he just has this straight up heroic scene where he beats a kid for slashing his tire. Does it get more grumpy old man than that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so okay, interesting with Brad Pitt's character. On one hand, he is being set up to be like skeezy old man who's going to do a thousand wrong things, right? I mean, let's in, be honest. But instead he does a thousand right things. Right, and then like in the midst of like absolute temptation, which we'll just let the movie point that out to you, he says no, and he yes. goes like, and he's like, We're, I'm going to take you home. I'm going to go check on the old man to make sure you guys haven't killed him. I'm going to yeah. put myself at risk to do this. Uh, and what's funny is Tarantino, he – he makes you think that he's going to go that way with Brad Pitt because he has that whole scene, right, where, I mean, it, it's, it's such a wonderful way to do two things. He's up on the roof fixing the antenna, and on one hand, you go like, oh, well, this is where the big break is going to be because Leo just chickened out and wouldn't give him, you know, like wouldn't vouch for him to be a stuntman. And then he has that whole, like, dream sequence which you don't necessarily realize is a dream sequence mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you, and first of all it's awesome because like he literally dreams himself be- beating up uh, <laughs> bruce uh, lee bruce lee <laughs> which is which is great which is awesome. and, that, and that's another thing like time out bruce lee's descendants are mad it's like no the whole point of this is it's a fairy tale of course he couldn't beat up bruce lee right exactly and it's not even it's it's a movie that's a fairy tale and he's daydreaming for for just to signal how dumb everything happening in this like right and and so then you go like oh did he murder his wife and then you're like okay no i think that even that was probably fairy tale so it's Mm -hmm. funny that tarantino does two things he's like fakes you out you think oh this is going to be where 
you know, Brad turns against Leo and he's going to undermine him. But no. And then not only that, you think, oh, maybe he's going to be this bad guy. But the signal is like, no, he's a lighthearted guy that he's like, and then he's like, oh, no, I'm just going to sit up here and be like super California tan and fix my buddies. <laughs> Yeah, TV he antenna. Is, he is that Hollywood male ideal in in physical form. They even, that, he, uh, he, he, even the framing shot, right? He's up on the roof. He has his shirt off, and it's obviously Sharon Tate's window. Mm. So you go, oh, they're gonna see each other, nope. and then something bad. Nope. nope. I mean, they, the right? movie there's is no, full there's of no notes. unwholesome sexual activity whatsoever. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, and. I, you, you saying this made me think of this too. If we take that paradigm as like Brad Pitt, traditional, perfect, masculine Hollywood ideal actor and man, Leo, you know, sort of the degradation, compromised Hollywood masculine ideal man struggling. You see both of them smoking all the time, right? Right, yes. Pitt shows no mad. ill effects. Leo is constantly coughing throughout the movie. That's true. That's and it, true. It's like, I mean, this is a straight-up morality tale. It's <laughs> unbelievable, the allegory. Allegory that would make Tolkien blush, man. It's fantastic. And they, I mean, even down to uh, Brad Pitt, who, like, lives in a, like, rack, rickety old yep. Trailer yeah. and like he's making actually... Easy Mac or whatever the heck. Yeah, that was. yeah, he, yeah. He's he's made sacrifices to be like yeah. you know good to this guy. Almost like you know he's a stunt double. It's almost like he's like a guardian angel. I mean, yep. it's almost like they're yep. doing that stuff. Yep. Well, he's the guy that has discipline for his dog. The mm -hmm. discipline, of course, that saves, saves them in the end. Everyone's lives. Yep. Yeah. It's so then. The more me, you talk, the, the more happy I get, Bo. Well, I mean, the thing is, is like, the, the question is, you know, is Tarantino being so meta that since this is, you know, a fairy tale, is he, like, critiquing the fact that we are happy that it's ending? I mean, like, that to me it's is a, the only nihilist heck, read you could it's have. It's a heck of a question, Bo, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I talked to Quentin. Yeah. <laughs> um, we actually get tea every third Tuesday, and I spoke to him, and I can assure you that no, just enjoy it. It's wonderful. Let go. He's not doing anything. He loves the movies like we love the movies, and this is a movie about loving the movies and why we love the movies, and it's just, 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 just take it. It's wonderful. Well, I, 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 you know, to me, it seems that Tarantino, that this is sort of like the flip side to Grindhouse for him, right? Like, mm. in, you want to talk about a movie that's not worth watching? Right, um, intentionally so almost. Yeah, like you know, so like Grindhouse and like what's that death, death, death car, death, death wish, death blow. No, death wish is very, very different. Death yeah, blow, death, yeah, yeah, the, whatever. The Rodriguez version. Yeah, and it's one of those deals where you know he goes, well, I'm going to make a B movie, and because I loved watching B movies growing up, and he made a B movie <laughs> that is unwatchable mm -hmm. because most of those were. And so, no, wait, I mean, it was you, Death Wish. It was Death Wish? No, it wasn't Death Wish. What was it, though? It's Death Something. Death Proof! Death Proof. Oof, there you go. Sense. There you go. Doesn't um, matter. Don't so I'm it. with you that I think that, like, I think when he tries to set out, you know, I mean, or, or he's just, he leaves it up to you, but, like, certainly the movie, the affordances of the signification of the semiotics, <laughs> one of the legitimate reads is... Wow, confounding your expectations. It's the the good orderly uh, people, and you know who, men who like believe in having a, a responsibility that save the day in this yeah. one. Um, or it's like 
you know, a sort of Faustian, haha, I tricked you into liking this when you shouldn't. But I just, I don't see anything in the movie that at the end makes you, like, supposed to, like, like there's no gotcha, like, how, how dare you, right? Like, it really does seem like the, the movie's saying, wouldn't it be better if Sharon Tate wasn't dead? Right. The gotcha is he didn't. He, he didn't. Uh, he didn't. He kept waiting for it, and he just... He just let it let it be what what we uh, what we talked about, but I think it's clear that it's worth seeing if you're at all interested and if you can stomach what admittedly is some incredible incredible violence and language. So, Bo, my question for you as we uh, wind our way down uh, Ventura Boulevard or whatever it is, where do you place this in the Tarantino rankings? And then, what's your final ranking out of ten? So the first is way easier to say than. Uh than um the second um this should never be anybody's first second or third tarantino movie to watch uh but once you get three or four under your belt you have to watch it right so like in, if, in order if you're going to be a tarantino fan or at least be aware of him at all this movie has skyrocketed to, to say that you must watch it but you have to watch it after you've watched a few others mm-hmm. um so i don't know like if that's good to say rankings wise it would be dumb for someone to watch it, you know, first, second, or third. But after you've watched, like, Pulp Fiction and then maybe some of the others in the middle, uh, you have to watch it. So I I would say it's, like, number two in, like, how badly you need to watch it, but I wouldn't watch it second, if that makes sense. Okay. And what do you give it, fella? Uh, I don't know, man. Like, the, the, the big difficulty for me, right, is... And you would go like, just tell me how you feel, Bo. But a movie that on purpose is messing with you and makes you think, it makes me think like, how much do you reward someone for relying on who they are to make the movie work? Like, is that is it really brilliant to sort of be that self-referential or is it a crutch? And I hmm. think that's a legitimate thing to say, right? Like, I mean, sure. like, to look in another area like um, Stanley Kubrick, uh it seems to me that the absolute problem with like eyes wide shut and um, AI is like too many times he's like, make me a Kubrick movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> and you're like, mm-hmm. maybe just make the movie, man. And yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't well, let's, know. Let's put you on pause then. I'll, I'll put you yeah, on. I'm going to respond here, your honor, if, if it pleases the court. Sounds good. So here's the deal. I acknowledge everything you say, and it's it's totally true. And I do I do agree. You have to probably know Tarantino in order to appreciate this at its utmost, and it is very self-referential and all that. But I also think if you if you just happened upon it and didn't know, it would just come off as sort of this slightly indulgent, overlong retelling of Hollywood history. Uh, it would not maybe produce the same uh, exact feelings in you as you watched it, but I think the overall takeaway might be similar. I don't know. That's that's the part I dif- disagree with. But my larger point is this: we're in 2019, and you know, everything is is referential. And also, like we 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 talk about this on your show a lot. You know, the the tradition and, and handed down, and everyone. There's nothing new under the sun. I think that's even like your Twitter quote or something. Right. That is. Uh, yes. But you ha- you're all you're constantly building upon everything that was handed down to you, and so why shouldn't you be able to build upon what you yourself handed down? And therefore... I mean, in this year, the, the year of in-game, right? Who right. are we, it's, who it's are a, we it's to a good, worry it's about a good, this? Yeah. Exactly. So in light of all that, I just got to go with what I feel. And I haven't seen it twice yet because I just haven't had enough time. So I can't give it a 10. But for me, it was a 9.5. I was in love with it the whole time. And then 
you know, what went from being just a very, very good movie I really, really enjoyed became transcendent when it when it took me there at the very end. So I have to give it its due, and it's by far the most interesting movie I've seen this year. So for me, i got to give it a 9.5. I, I, I would say there's no way I can imagine it ending up lower than 8, um, but I really need to see it again before I place it among the top tier of stars uh, right. to, to really very, decide. It's very fair, very fair. Now, now that we've gotten the business out of the way, I'm going to go ahead and give my crazy thoughts on this. All right, crazy theories. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm really up for this one. Okay. Bear in mind, I don't really believe that Tarantino would ever even know about this or think about it this way. But as long as we're rewriting history and going with <laughs> crazy allegory... Right. <clears throat> Brad Pitt is the traditional Latin mass pre the 55 Holy Week changes of Pius XII. Oh, wow. Leo DiCaprio <laughs> is the missile of John Twenty-Third slash the dialogue mass. And wow, then, uh, the, yeah. Polanski okay. and that crowd, if the murders happen, that's Vatican II. That's the new mass. That's Paul VI. I'm out. <laughs> Thoughts? You're, you're just trying to get us all so, fired no, no, no. So when I, when, I, when I make enough money with my legal career to finance my own Reservoir Dog style film, I will simply do this with <laughs> Vatican II and rewrite history to make everything end happily. <laughs> you're welcome. But well, Paul doesn't, doesn't sign off on anything. He's like, no. No, no that's exactly right. He, uh, he accidentally smokes an acid-tipped cigarette and he just... <laughs> Kind of retires to bed, and we go on with the correct math. He throws he throws a can of dog food at uh, 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 what's his name. Uh, he starts beating uh, yeah, yeah, all yeah, the oh, reports. Uh, what's his name? Oh, Benny, Benny. Yeah, yeah. You're like, take this, Annabelle. <laughs> what is it? Adivani comes in with a, a flamethrower. Adivani is Brad Pitt, buddy, and now we have the lodestar. We have the key. So, oh man. Someday, someday I will make this movie. Anyway. Oh, gosh. It was a pleasure. You're a gentleman and a scholar. And uh, I hope this starts the first of many, at least monthly or bi-weekly, hopefully, uh, podcasts again. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Great to – yeah, and thanks for uh, getting me to – enforcing me to go to the movie I much did. sooner than I was going to. I did. And until, uh, until next time, with that, we are out. I'm the Catholic Movie Guy, and I'll be soon. Bye.